Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Channel. We're broadcasting across the world this week from Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, California, where technology meets entertainment. This is right the capital of entertainment on this planet. And from uh, Santa Monica through to Venice, which is about, I suppose, eight miles, it is wall-to-wall startups and incubators and VCs. It is booming. Now, we've got a lot of startups that come to us and say, if only we had money. Well, Sprig, which is a food delivery startup, raised over $56 million. That's a lot of money. And they'll be shutting down this Friday. And it proves that money does not make a successful startup. Sprig's new spin on food delivery was a high-end meal delivery service in which customers could get anything from shredded raw zucchini bowls with shrimp and basil walnut pesto to lemon parmesan kale and all that sort of stuff. Didn't work. The demand for Sprig's convenient high-quality food was apparently always high, but the complexity of owning meal production through delivery at scale was a challenge. Now, Sprig's just the latest food delivery startup to close its doors after struggling to scale. A couple of weeks ago, the New York-based Maple suddenly closed. In March, Spoon Rocket, a California-based delivery service, shut down. And startups like Din and Bento have also closed down. Other startups trying to revolutionise food delivery, like Munchery, are still struggling. So, money does not a startup make. Now, Japan's got a sex problem. The country's birth rate shrinking year after year to the point where deaths are now outpacing births. Simply put, Japan's population is going down. In Japan, almost 70% of unmarried women and 60% of unmarried men are not in any relationship. See, can you imagine here in the States, I don't know what percentage of people are not in relationships, but it's pretty small, I think. Now, Gatebox is designed to provide all these unmarried people with companionship. And the star of Gatebox is Azuma Hakari, and she's a $2,500 Amazon Echo type device that acts as a voice-powered home assistant and a companion. She's an artificially intelligent character who lives in a glass tube in your house. (laughs) She's about the size of an 8 by 11 inch piece of paper big enough for you to be able to put right beside you on the couch. The Gatebox has a microphone and a camera because you operate it using your voice. 
Gatebox does a lot of the same stuff that Echo does. It automates your home in various ways, turns on lights, does all that stuff. But none of that is the actual point of Gatebox. The actual point is the virtual character that lives inside of it. Beyond being your personal assistant, she's intended to be your companion. It's interesting that they've got the same companion for both male and female people living on their own. I thought that never thought of that before, but that's interesting. Now, the company developed Gatebox not just for entertainment or convenience. The characters are intended to be naturally in our daily lives and to relax with us. The tone of Azuma is intentionally conversational. She is your friend, not just your assistant. The Gatebox device sits on a desk, and Azuma can be seen inside projected onto a transparent screen. You see, she can move, she can dance, she can talk, she can sit in a chair, she can do anything. She's essentially an endlessly friendly life partner. So you can have this little thing in a bottle, never have an argument, never get thrown out of bed, never have to sleep on the couch. She sends you texts throughout the day exactly the same as a human partner would. How is your day? Don't forget to eat lunch. (laughs) And sometimes those text messages are suggestive and direct, like, I hope you're coming home early tonight, stuff like that. Now, she's just as interested in you as you are in sitting on the couch and watching TV. She even has her own chair and her own mug. Does anybody think this is going a bit far? Pre-orders go for around $2,500 and it's expected to ship around December 17. The demand is such that pre-orders are currently closed. Mm. Hey, stop what you're doing and listen up. This is a very important message for every business. If you want to stop leaving money on the table, you need to set your prices right. So go to atenga.com, that's A-T-E-N-G-A.com, and download a free ebook called Seven Easy Steps to Successfully Increasing Prices. It's a quick read and may well be the most profitable thing you have done all day. Now, my good friend Per Sofas can get you your total investment in Atenga back in as little as four to six weeks. So for the next 46 weeks of the year, you are making money and maximising the return that you can get from your business. So go to Atenga, A-T-E-N-G-A dot com now. While I'm on it, did you do you get my daily 30-second read business newsletter? You don't? Shame on you. We now have about 1.7 million daily subscribers. And I invite you to go to my website, bobpritchard.com, and enrol for the newsletter. It takes just 30 seconds to read, and it'll keep you up to date with all of the business news that's important. Every day, we tackle a different subject, from advances in medicine, to new apps, to new technology, to subjects like Hyperloop, autonomous cars, Bitcoin, blockchain, all of those sorts of subjects. And they're all subjects that you should know about if you're going to survive in this new global revolution. It's free, and the information's invaluable. Now, we're getting accustomed to traditional industries getting disrupted. 
Well, Tesla is now pushing the insurance industry to prepare for massive disruption. Tesla is forcing insurance companies to seriously consider how policies will change as cars become safer due to advances in self-driving technology. The latest example is Farmers Insurance Partnership with Tesloop, which is a ride-sharing service that uses Tesla cars to transport customers between cities in Southern California. Has everybody seen that new Farmers Insurance ad? It's great. Really, really cool. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. Really good. Now, Farmers wrote a new auto policy for Tesloop that slashes the service's previous insurance costs by 25% by reducing its risk premium. The partnership gives farmers a test case to see what kind of insurance policies can be designed around autonomous technology. Tesloop's still limited in its scope, but its work with farmers shows how insurance organisation realise that industry disruption is inevitable with self-driving vehicles. In fact, this is interesting, Tesla is already selling car insurance with its vehicles in Australia and Hong Kong as part of an overall vision to include insurance in the final price of all its cars. So that's a very cool idea. When you buy the car, the insurance is built in. Great idea. According to a report by the National Highway Traffic Administration, crash rates for Tesla vehicles have dropped 40% since Autopilot was first installed and the cars are designed to get much safer with Tesla's new Autopilot 2 technology. And the company wants to ensure that companies are dropping costs proportionate to the reduced risk of driving a Tesla. Now, these kinds of price <laughs> these kinds of price adjustments could hurt the industry. The uh, personal auto insurance sector could shrink to 40% of its current size as cars become safer with autonomous technology. And for fully autonomous cars, coverage will likely shift from personal to commercial as accidents will be linked to technical failures and not driving failures. Interestingly, that some automakers like Volvo have already agreed to accept full liability for completely driverless cars. So how much of a role the government's going to play in this in determining liability is still unclear, although the NHTSA has released guidelines dictating the use and testing of self-driving vehicles. It's yet to introduce uniform policies. I can see this becoming a very vigorous discussion. My friend, consumer service guru John Scholl says, if you're not a customer service leader, your business will likely fail. It's not just a matter of friendly service with a smile anymore. Would you like fries with that? That's not customer service. A good solution can turn angry, frustrated customers into loyal ones. Now, here's a couple of examples of uh, customer service. Stu Leonard's, Stu Leonard have been, they're a, a supermarket in Connecticut. They have been leaders in customer service for as long as I can ever remember. The original Stu Leonard. 
used to walk around the store and talk to shoppers and take in on board things that they said. But Stu Lennon Supermarket is renowned for its service. Now, one evening at about 6 p.m., Stu Leonard Jr., who's now running the business, found a complaint written by a customer just half an hour earlier. The complaint said, I made a special stop on my way home from work to buy chicken breasts for dinner, but you're all sold out. Now I'll have to eat a frozen dinner instead. So as Stu Leonard was reading the complaint, a Purdue chicken truck pulled up to the store's loading dock. Within minutes, a staff member had been dispatched off to the frustrated customer's house with a complimentary two-pound package of fresh chicken breasts. Problem solved. How cool is that? If you've got a if you've got a store, would you do that? Probably not. And I think that's probably why um, Stu Leonard Supermarkets bank a fortune, and you're probably not. <laughs> in the second example, John is a 30-year customer of a bank in Spokane, Washington, parked his car in a lot next to the bank. The car park attendant told him he could get the parking validated if he did business at the bank. And this was not his usual branch, but it was his bank. John cashed a cheque but was refused validation to the parking lot because he had not made a deposit. He explained to the receptionist and the bank manager that he was a long-time customer, but they were both totally unmoved. Now, the customer paid for the parking, but he was so furious that he drove miles out of his way to his usual banker and explained the incident. And he told his usual banker that if he didn't receive a phone call by the end of the day, he would close his accounts. Well, guess what? The call never came. So that day, he made his first withdrawal of $1 million. <laughs> Good on you, mate. Needless to say, the bank executives were extremely embarrassed, but too little, too late. Now, empowerment is the backbone of the service recovery industry. It is impossible to be a service leader, to be customer-centric and focus on a service strategy without giving employees the authority to do whatever it takes on the spot. Not have to go find a supervisor or wait for a manager, but on the spot to take care of a customer to that customer's satisfaction, not to your satisfaction. Great advice, John. John Scholl. Um, look him up. He's an absolute expert in customer service. My guest today is a really good friend of mine, Gavin Wood, who was a superstar in Australia. He gave up a very lucrative career on television, radio, voiceovers, hosting gigs, as well as, you know, so he, he gave all that up, as well as disrupting his family life to come to America to try and succeed in the world's toughest entertainment market. After relocating to Hollywood nine years ago, he has established Countdown Motion Pictures, where he is the president and CEO, and proving that this is the country where you really can achieve 
your wildest dreams. I'll speak with Gavin after this short break on the Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Radio Show. For over the past six years, who'd have thought? We've given you insights into the lives of over 350 of the world's most interesting people. We've spoken about what they do. We... um, the challenges they faced, how they've overcome those challenges. And we try to find out at the end of the day what it is that makes them tick, what makes them different to the 97% of people who fail. They obviously do something that the rest of us don't do. You know, it's extremely rare to find an extraordinary personality or a unique talent, and it's even more difficult to create a successful business. We all need to get advice and assistance from the entrepreneurs who have achieved success. And that's the main aim of this segment, to help you weather the obstacles that everyone who is successful has faced at some point along the journey, and hopefully to help you become more successful. Now, today's guest has been a great friend of mine for about 40 years. Both of us look much younger, of course, and he's very interesting because he gave up a very lucrative and highly successful career on television, radio and voiceovers in Australia, as well as disrupting his family life to come to America to try to succeed in the world's toughest entertainment market. Gavin Wood is a unique performer, one who built a career on live performances on radio and television, and he's also a versatile performer who's terrific on stage with an audience. Gavin's one of the best-known talents in Australia and certainly the best-known voice from his plethora of credits, which included over 3 million viewers who watched Countdown every week for seven years and his number one breakfast radio show. He's hosted radio shows on another 10 radio stations across Australia, provided the voice, audience warm-up and presentation for tonight's shows, game shows and variety specials around the country. He was also a music director and content director, as well as providing the voice for scores of television and radio commercials. 
Gavin was CEO of his own media company for 25 years prior to relocating to Hollywood and establishing Countdown Motion Pictures where he is the president and CEO. It's probably appropriate for me at this point to say that I am the chairman of Countdown Motion Pictures, but it's a great story and so I wanted to bring it to you. Gavin, welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. You are being heard all around the world. Hi, Bob. It's a pleasure to be with you. Good to be with you. 40 years, who'd have thought? I know. We were all so young back then, and and look at the uh, journey that we've uh, travelled in those 40 years. Hasn't it been fabulous? It's been a great one, hasn't it? I mean, you wouldn't think that a couple of guys out of Australia, um, which is a very small market, could could end up over here in in Hollywood and... um, both of us doing well. Now, we've got a large audience of entrepreneurs listening to this program in over 60 countries, and many of them anguish about giving up their security. Now, whether that security is a regular job or it's a family, in order to set up their own business, and most people don't have the guts to make that break. Now, you're one of the most successful media personalities in Australia, and you gave it all up to come to the US to pursue a dream. What was it that gave you the drive, not only the drive, but the balls to actually get up and do it? It's a big step. It is a big step, Bob, and I I wake up positive every day. Every day is a whole new day. Every day is a whole new beginning for me Uh, because I did breakfast morning radio for like 15 years. You have to approach the day with a whole new beginning at 3.30 in the morning. So I was was trained that way. Uh, It got to a point in Australia where they asked me back to the gold FM radio station for the third time. And and I said, I think I've done the island. There's only so many times you can walk around the island. Now, yeah, admittedly, I had family, um, but uh, divorced uh, to two two wives, and so those families had grown up. So I thought I I won the green card in the green card lottery. And uh, I thought, well, it's, it's my turn to have a go, and I've... I've always chosen the highest mountains to climb. That's great because it, it, it is a big call. I, I came over here when I was 42 or 43 and uh, just leaving everything behind and it's not until you get here that you think, um, I don't have any contacts in that company. I don't have, you know, that whole network that I used to thrive on back in Australia, I didn't have over here so you've really got to start from scratch. So. What advice have you got to potential entrepreneurs who are sitting there saying, should I give up my nice, nice, cosy job to have a go at something I really believe in or should I not? If you find you're going around the island again and again and again, you've, got, you, you, you've, you've experienced every experience you can experience in your business and now it's starting to get boring and same old, same old, you've got to take the big jump. Remember, we've only got one life in this body. Yep. So you've got to make the most of every day. And when it, for me, when it came time to make the big jump, I physically felt two hands in my back pushing me. I was on the phone to a friend here in America saying, I was driving down Beach Road in Melbourne. I always remember it. And I'm, and I'm saying, I've just won a green card in the green card lottery and I'm coming <laughs> over. And, and I, I physically felt two hands in my back pushing me. And I went, if that's not a sign, 
you know, so I, you, you've got to believe in yourself first. Absolutely. And, you, and you've got to believe in the jump. Uh, it, it's, it's the biggest thing that entrepreneurs face is that jump. Um, and you've got to be prepared to fail. I've, if someone had have told me I was going to go to Los Angeles for nine and three-quarter years and live on rice cakes and worry about my next month's rent, I still would have come. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like we both come from the rock and roll business um, in a slightly different era, but nevertheless we came from the rock and roll business. And, uh, you know, you, get, you kind of get used to living on – rice cakes and coca-cola and chips but once you do start to make a living it's very hard to go back to that again rum noodles i always quote bob the neil sadaka song i miss the hungry years yeah because they those years were very formative i was very comfortable in australia business wise and all of that and I think I was just too comfortable and I sat back and I just let it roll over me and I, and, and I was getting stale. And yeah. I, I needed to have this 10-year period for me to reorganize, retool, reshape, uh, relearn a whole new system in America because it's a completely different system, I'd say, in every country that you go to. And it takes you a while to, you know, I got my driver's license First, first go. I was very proud of that. A lot of my mates have come over here and failed for the for, for the first go. Yeah. Uh, so that was important, you know. And there's milestone milestones that you that you go through in that in that learning period. And it takes really two years to learn all about Los Angeles and the and the different systems and and, and all of that. So True. I say to people, if you're coming to Los Angeles, have a hundred thousand dollars in your back pocket. Yep, I agree with that entirely. So. Before you made this monumental disruption to your life, yeah. how much forward preparation did, did you do to prepare yourself for LA? Did you do massive research? Did you made a whole bunch of new contacts? What did you done? What have you done? To, what did you do to prepare yourself? Well, I, I was I was very lucky being a DJ in radio back in the eighties. We'd get all these tapes set over from all the big boss jocks here in Los Angeles, like. Robert W. Morgan, the real Don Steele. Yeah, the uh, real Don Steele. Jeez. Yeah. Charlie, uh, Charlie Tuna, all these great guys. And, and we'd listen to the tapes and consume them. And then, then we'd go on air and sound like American disc jockeys. You know, it was, it was that close to us. And so I was always drawn to America. Um, every holiday I had, I came to Los Angeles. I loved Los Angeles. I wasn't going any further uh, because I... I vowed and declared in my whole life I will never shovel snow. <laughs> Good decision. Well, so, I, I, so I Los Angeles yeah. was the place. I made two decisions in my life. One, one that I'll never shovel snow because it's fun for the first ten minutes, and then eh. the yeah. second one was that um, that I'd never get up at three fifteen in the morning to do anything radio yeah. show or no radio show. How, well, did, I, you, how did you cope? Getting up at three fifteen in three fifteen in the morning, and being bright and bubbly at that time of the day for fifteen fucking years. Jeez. Well, yes, I know, but, but, but that was my that was my time of the day. I mean, it was the top. See, that was the top shift on the radio station. Yeah, still and, is. Yep. And if you wanted to be a successful radio announcer, which is primarily what I was, I was a radio announcer. 
you've got to work your markets. You've got to keep going to a bigger market, bigger market, bigger market. And the top job I got in 1979 was breakfast at an AM radio station in Melbourne called 3XY, which was the number one big hit radio station in town. Uh, and that was the greatest job of my life. Uh, from there, I got Hey Hey It's Saturday. I got Countdown, the voiceover, the voiceover job on Countdown, which is the big music show like American Bandstand here. Um, and so from that shift, from that early morning shift, pivoted all these wonderful things for me mm. so to get out of three th bed at 3 15 in the morning was not a big sacrifice for me i i enjoyed it i embraced it and i was successful at it how did you start what was your first gig uh my first radio gig was 4mb in meribur in queensland <laughs> just describe for our listeners who've probably heard of meribur i think a lot of the people who live in meribur has never heard of meribur <laughs> well, Meribur is the home of the home of the push bike, the, the bicycle, because okay. it's flat and everybody rides a bicycle. Uh, um, I, I did a radio school because I was working at the Brisbane City Council, and the boss said to me, and I was I was in a band like like you know we all were back then. I was singing in a band, and of course I was on the phone all day, fixing up gigs for the band. Yeah, <laughs> I know that feeling well. <laughs> so, so my boss, my boss at the radio station at, the, at Brisbane City Council was fantastic. He said, listen, you talk too much. You should get a job as a radio announcer and get paid to talk. Well, all of a sudden, you know, when the light bulb goes off, yeah. the light bulb went off. I was driving home a couple of days after that, and I heard, a, I heard an ad for a radio school on 4BH in Brisbane. And uh, I thought, gee, that would help me between the songs, communicating with the crowd. So I signed up. It was $10 a night. Ben Beckinsale, God love him. He was the he was the uh, the tutor, and and I was voted with another guy, Peter Kay, out of fifteen people to to be the first guys to get a job on radio, and we were, and we both started at Four MB in Maribor. Maribor is a country town, a beautiful town, and uh, I stayed six months there because if you stay any longer, you end up going out with somebody there and end up getting married, having children, and never leaving. And that was that was. Uh, that was that was the radio announcer's creed. Don't fall in love in a country town. <laughs> love it. <laughs> um, so, when you won when you won the Green Cloud Lottery, did you know what you wanted to do when you get got here? Did you, or yeah. did you think, "Hello, I'm the next um, superstar on Breakfast Radio"? Well, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. I put down radio announcer in my application. And then I got a call from the American Embassy out of Sydney. I was doing a, a, a conference down in Rye. And um, they called and they said, uh, Gavin, uh, you've put down radio announcer as your occupation. I said, well, basically, that's what I am. Yeah. She, said, she said, you're not getting into America as a radio announcer. I said, why is that? She said, well, they've just sacked 1,500 radio announcers in America, right across the States. Clear Channel had come in, just like they did in Australia. Yeah. And, and they got in all these hubs and they sacked all the radio announcers. You know, where you'd have a well at Four MB in Maribor when I started, there was an announcing team of of eight guys. Right. You know, now they have just a breakfast team, and that's it. And the rest comes from a central hub. Yeah. So, I, so I said, oh, gee. She said, do you really want to go to America? I said, oh, of course I do. She said, well, what about writer producer? And I went, well, I do a lot of that. <laughs> so she wrote down writer producer, and that's how I got in. Great. 
Have yeah. you done any writing since you've been here? <laughs> I do. I'm, I'm, I'm writing a screenplay right now. Oh, great. Yeah. Have I got a good role? Uh, yes, you're the money man. <laughs> so you, you came in to, under the guise of a writer-producer. Sure. Did you think, I want to be a CEO of a, um, a Hollywood studio? No, no, it, that didn't happen. I met up with uh, Adam Howard. Right. Adam, Adam was the 18-year-old visual effects guy on Countdown at the ABC in Melbourne. Right. And, and the ABC bought this million-dollar computer, and they said to Alan, Adam, you're young enough, you know how to do visual effects, go in there and play with it and see what you can come up with. And, of course, he started doing the rolling countdown. Yep. That was Adam at 18. So we used to stand in the VIP room between the rehearsal and the show. There was an hour. Right. And, and that's where the stars who are on the show, Boy George, Tina Turner, uh, Bill Wyman, Joe Cocker, you know, could be anyone in this room. And if the dress rehearsal was a little flat, Molly Meldrum, the host of the show, and, right. and Michael Shrimpton and Grant Rule would stand outside the big double doors and start fighting and then burst open the door continue the fight all the way through the VIP room <laughs> out to the other doors and slam the door. And, of course, everyone would go, oh, oh all this drama, da-da-da-da-da. But I guarantee because of that, the show was absolutely successful because everybody was on, on their best behaviour and did a great show. Right. So, so Adam and I would stand on the wall and look at each other and go, here they go again, this will be fun. <laughs> so I got here and for a couple of years um, – and Facebook is a fantastic tool for reconnecting with people. Sure. And I reconnected with Adam. And he said, oh, mate, when you're in L.A., look me up. I said, well, I've been here two years. He said, oh. He said, come over Monday night. Right. <laughs> so I went over to North Hollywood on Monday night and we picked up where we left off. Now, Adam has done visual effects on over 125 movies, big blockbuster yep. movies. Yep. And after a couple of months, I was in his backyard and I said, look, we're in Hollywood, aren't we? And he goes, yes. I said, everybody makes movies in Hollywood, don't they? He goes, yes. I said, well, why aren't we making movies? <laughs> and that was eight years ago. Right. And that hence Countdown Motion Pictures. Yes, yes. I, I, I thought, well, the thing that uh, connects Adam and I is Countdown, so let's try Countdown Motion Pictures as a as a company name, and, it, and I got it through, yep. and, uh, and it's been mine ever since, and uh, we've we've now got 40 screenplays uh, of, of all different genres, Yep, and we're working a couple of them right now. And you've got a great team of people. Yes, we have. We've got, uh, we've got we, I, I believe, the very best. You know, most of them Aussies, because uh, a lot of the Aussies, because we come from a small island, we seem to know the whole movie completely. Uh, whereas here in America, there's too many people. If you're a cable puller, the union tells you you're a cable puller. But the reason why the Aussies are so successful over here is that they understand a movie from start to finish. Yeah. Well, when I came over here, um, I was, I'd been in sport, as you know. And, yes. uh, and very successful, I might add. Thank you. And... I came over and my first meeting was at um, KISS FM and I went in and I arrived and they said, when are the rest of your team coming? And I said, there isn't any more team, I'm it. And then they 
proceeded to bring in six or seven different people. It all did this tiny little slice of promotions for sport and just me. And they were saying, do you guys do everything? And I said, yeah, well, you have to. In a small market, you get to do everything, which is the best training you can have. I mean, it really is great training. So we've got a couple of things in common, you and I. Uh, well, we've got a few things in common. One, we're both irreverent, and that that's a good thing. Um, secondly, we both come from the entertainment industry. That's yeah. a good thing. And thirdly, we've both had wives, plural. Yes. And um, you, You've had more than me. You, <laughs> you've, been, you've been a bit uh, gluttonous at the trough, I, I must admit. Having said that, how, how important is family to you? Very you know, I know your family, but yeah, and I know how important they are. But how often do you think of them? How often do you link with them? Right. Thank God. Thank God for the iPhone, and thank God for FaceTime. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, if if we were back twenty years ago when we had to write letters, this whole thing, Bob, would never have happened. And and for you to come over here when you did, I mean, that was a that was a gutsy move coming over because that was before electricity. <laughs> oh god i owe you um but facetime's been fantastic facetime and the internet hallelujah thank god for it and your, and your kids are very proud of you i know that um one of them is coming over here to work with you yeah mackenzie uh mackenzie of course came to your place uh, yep. when you had one of your parties um at the hacienda on the hill and uh, it was uh, he. He loves it. He loves it over here, and he just can't wait to get here. So we're going through the motion to get him through immigration and, and all of that. So eventually he'll get over here, and uh, he'll be uh, he'll be you know working in all the different areas of the company, which will be great. Yeah, for people who um, are living inside the country, uh, living in the United States, and only probably about half of our audience is in the United States. The others are scattered around 60-odd countries. But um, people who live here probably take it for granted as to how big the opportunities are here. Um, You know, one of my pet hates, and Margie and I were just talking about it a few minutes ago, are people who say, you know, the ball hasn't bounced my way or I've been unlucky or I've, you know, you're successful but you're lucky. People who... You know, and it's about working hard. It's about having determination and drive and never giving up and pushing the envelope every day. And never give up. Yeah, yeah, Three never words, give up. never give up. Yeah, and as soon as you do, you're screwed, aren't you? Yes. Yeah, they'll just trample all over you. Yeah. I, I, I worked out very, very early in the piece that because I was an interloper from another country, uh, you know, a foreigner into this beautiful land, and and America is still the greatest country in the world. Absolutely. I always said, from Melbourne you go to Australia, but from Los Angeles you go to the world. It's yep. just the way it's set up. Yeah. But, but I, I, think, I think the other thing here is that everybody wants to help you here, and and people who are not from Australia or England don't understand tall poppy syndrome, and I'm not going to go into it, but. Um, there's a tendency to take people down who are successful. Where over here, I find, 
in, in, in my area of business that everybody wants to help you. People want to give you a leg up. People applaud when you're successful. And um, that makes a hell of a difference. It makes life a lot easier because you don't feel like you're battling it on your own. Well, that's, that's so true. And, and th- they've been here all their life and they realize how hard it is too. You know, it's, it's yeah. very competitive. Uh, even I found out it's very competitive in bars, you know, when you're meeting girls. Yeah. Because they, they do ask you those three questions, you know, what do you do, where do you live and what kind of car do you drive? Uh, <laughs> and if you don't answer those questions correctly, they turn on their heels and walk away because it's so competitive. They they have to marry well. And I understand all that. You've got to understand, you know, I, what it's like. I agree entirely. If you're going to marry somebody, you might as well marry somebody rich or somebody poor. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, you've got 42 screenplays. Um, where, where are you at with moving forward with those? Well, we, we, we need to go to the next step. We've got uh, our, our big movie is Khrushchev's Revenge. Yes. And, and that's um, – we've attached a director, Rod Hardy, to it. Uh, yeah. My producing partner is Phil Pappas, yeah. who's down on the Gold Coast working – on Aqua, Aquaman at the moment. He's worked on Thor 3, all the big blockbusters, King Kong. Right. And, and after Aquaman, he goes full-time into Khrushchev's Revenge. So, you know, now we're raising money. Yeah. Uh, like, like every production company in this town, we have to raise money. Uh, I believe that Countdown Motion Pictures is, on the, is right on the precipice of, of making... Right on the make, cusp. I agree. Right us making it as a as a big Hollywood movie company, and and we're looking at foreign investment. We're looking at all different types of investment to uh, to make that happen. Uh, it's it's very hard to set up a a motion picture company in this in this town. Sure, uh, but we've been here for eight years now, and we've got lots of lots of contacts, and it's just getting that financial um, financial um, um, help. To take it to the next level. Right, I agree. So, will um, anybody out there listening that would like to be in the Hollywood movie business? And there's lots of perks. I mean, apart from the fact that you can make a considerable amount of money, there are a hell of a lot of other benefits that most of you would thoroughly enjoy. Um, so, send me an email if you if you happen to be um, have some money to put into motion pictures. Now, when you got up at 3.15 in the morning, you had to get yourself prepared for a radio program every day. Yes. Now, um, what time do you get up and what gets you out of bed now? I get out of bed at 6 o'clock every morning. Do you? There's every a, morning. There's a 6 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> I know. But, but you know, it, it's when you're, working, when you're working like by yourself and you've got to motivate a team, mm. you've got to have – regular hours you can't you can't go to wake up at 10 o'clock one morning six o'clock the next morning because you lose that focus oh i agree with that but you can wake up at 10 o'clock every morning well well <laughs> but I, I choose to wake up at six every morning uh because it's a it's a beautiful day i don't want to miss it any part of the day yeah no i agree with that i get up early and jump in my pond and uh I love it. First thing I do every morning, get in the pond, contemplate the day, work out who I've got to call, who I haven't got to call, what I need to do. And I'm, uh, I'm, glad, I'm glad you called it a pond because only three goldfish could live in that pond. It's small. <laughs> it's not. It's 10 foot by 7 foot. What do you mean? 
Yeah, sure. Okay, Bob. <laughs> Keep thinking about it. But, but, but can, I, can I just say, Bob, if, if people are interested in, in looking at the company, um, go to go to the website, countdownmotionpictures.com. I was going to get to that in a few minutes. So um, what is it that, apart from wanting to make Countdown Motion Pictures successful, apart from your friendship with me, what is it that motivates you? <laughs> Money. Uh, <laughs> a girl. No. Uh, what motivates me? I, you know what? It is? I think it's the thrill of the chase, Bob. I think it's the, it's, it's the, you know, the old art of the deal, getting the yep. deal done, uh, getting and climbing to the highest mountain. That's, that's my main motivation is getting to the top of the mountain. So where do you see yourself in five years? In five years' time, I'd like to be on top of the mountain. Right. And then in my yacht in the Bahamas, having a nice time, picking up the phone, saying to our producer, how are you going with that movie? It needs to be finished by the end of the week. Can you do that for us? <laughs> you know, I, I still think I'd, I'd, I'd want to be involved because making movies is such a fascinating process. Yeah. And, and, and when, you're out, when you're out in the cold and the wet, and for those long, long days, you know, the 18-hour days and all of that, it's it's just so fulfilling when you come back and you get into the edit bay and you edit it up and all of a sudden you've got sure. this magnificent movie. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it, it's you're making something yeah. and, and you're changing people's lives with the emotion that comes from that movie. And I think that's really important. I agree. Um I was just, my mind was just wandering to um, the yacht in the Bahamas. Um. <laughs> oh, don't we all wish. <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a group in LA that we both belong to called um, the Debonairs, which is a number of Australians who were successful either in the music business or um, um, in the film business or television or whatever, but people who are in the entertainment business and we meet every couple of weeks. How how much benefit have you got out of the Australian contingent that's here? I mean, the number of Australians in Los Angeles involved in the entertainment business is enormous. Yes. How, how well do they all um, support each other and, and how much camaraderie is there? I... It's like therapy to me, Bob. Um, going to the going to the Debonairs twice a month, and then in the in the week off, I meet with my own. There's a little Aussie group that I have, which is Tony McVan, who's our yep. who's our supervising sound recordist in Countdown. Hmm. Uh, I meet with his wife and another lady who works uh, at Sony Travel, and and once a week I have an Australian uh, injection, so to speak, right. of of, of good humour, uh, irreverent humour, and it, it grounds me. And and I, I, I was going to say before, uh, I learnt earlier on when I got here that you have to create your own pathway. Yep. And that's why I formed Countdown Motion Pictures, to create Gavin Wood's own pathway. And that's why I've got a lot of Aussies that I know and love and trust. We, you know, you've got a family. Yes, and the debonairs and my other little group—it's like family, yep. and we and we stick together, and we're rolling down the track together. And that's—and I love that. I, I love working in a family situation. The good thing that I like about the debonairs is that it's a bit like Vegas. What 
happens in the debonairs, stays in the debonairs. You know, you can be unhappy or down or have some problems or issues or whatever and discuss them with people that, you know, understand you and, and love you. And, and it's really good. It's like therapy. And, and when it's a bit flat, you and I abuse each other. Yeah, we and, do. <laughs> and everybody goes, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> it's fabulous. It's fabulous to take the mickey or yeah. take this. Yeah, it is. I agree. Gavin, I'm really, yes. I'm really proud of your guts, your commitment, your dedication. And, you know, you're, you're a real Aussie legend. And uh, together, mainly with your work, not mine, but um, – I know that Countdown Motion Pictures is going to be a huge success. I really do thank you for speaking with me on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, you can learn more about Gavin and Countdown Motion Pictures. And if you've got a spare few mil lying around and you'd like to put it to good use, you'd like to be creative with it, and you'd like to be in the motion picture business, and you'd like to have all the fun that comes with that, go to countdownmotionpictures.com. That's countdownmotionpictures.com or drop me an email here at bob at bobpritchard.com and we will ensure that you are well looked after. And I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show and Voice America Business Network after this short break. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking, absolutely no bullshit business radio show and Voice America Business Channel, the number one global business radio show for entrepreneurs. We're broadcasting as per usual, apart from a few overseas trips, from Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, California, where technology meets entertainment. Now, recently, we've been discussing the staggering rate of retail store closures, um, an estimated 12,000 by the middle of this year, since the beginning of the year. Hundreds of malls have also closed, so traditional malls need to transform themselves to stay alive. So what are we going to do with them? Nearly every major department store chain has recently closed unprofitable stores, and the number of American malls that have closed are around about 500. You think how big a mall is, and 500 of them are closed. Now, these dead malls have been filled with activities such as fitness centres and churches and medical clinics and data centres, and one-third of all urgent care in the United States is now located inside shopping centres. The, the Hundred Oaks Mall developed into the Vanderbilt University Medical Centre and they lease over half of the 850,000 square foot building. Food courts are also struggling. Sharo, a food court staple, closed 155 of its 400 American food court locations because Americans are going to mall food courts much less often. Food courts are becoming art galleries and community gathering centres. 
Most food courts have got natural light, so therefore they can be used for gathering spaces for community groups or for daycare centres. Food courts are also being redeveloped into clusters of high-priced restaurants. Atriums, they're an expensive part of a, um, a, a mall. Atriums are becoming car showrooms and event spaces. You know, they're wide open spaces that allow for events like concerts or fashion shows or serve as car showrooms. The atrium at Penn Can Mall turned into a car dealership with a cafe, a children's party space, an auto accessories store and insurance companies. Toronto's Galleria Mall atrium hosts dance parties. Now, things have changed. In the 1990s, the American shoppers spent hours in a mall, but today, most people who go to a mall barely stay for an hour. And when anchor stalls pull out, the leases for the smaller stores become so expensive that they either relocate or they close. So these empty shops are becoming apartments, art galleries, indoor farms, classrooms, and public libraries. You know, many morph into businesses that have community-based functions like apartments. Some public spaces like libraries, they don't bring in much rent, but what they do do is attract people to the mall. The main street was killed by the mall, so developers are trying to build new downtowns inside the mall. One large store has become an illustrated children's book museum and a puppet theatre. Another turned into a gallery that showcases local artists. Yet another transform, transformed with a hair salon and cafes. Another issue that's going to become bigger for all malls is that half of the square footage of a mall is the parking lot. And mall parking spaces cost between $700 and $4,000 annually per space. So parking lots are becoming housing, farmers' markets, walking paths, plazas. So many malls are turning their parking lots into green plazas. Now many malls will downsize surface parking and turn it into public space that can benefit the surrounding community. Yet other malls are transforming into ethnic malls. These are shopping centres that target a specific ethnic demographic in the community. One mall in Fort Worth, Texas, now features an eatery of local purveyors who serve Latin food and shops where people can send money abroad, make travel arrangements, find Spanish-speaking lawyers. They have um, music and um, Latin singers, so they become a ethnic destination. Finally, another common mall evolution is the destination mall. Destination malls usually include attractions like movie theatres, bars, casinos, restaurants, rock climbing walls, laser tag, even roller coasters and the odd, um, they call those things merry-go-rounds. The shopping mall rebranded as Destiny USA 
So it was a mall, changed into a destination mall, and it now draws 29 million people from the US and Canada every year. That's a lot more people than they would have attracted as a mall. So while there are lots of shops and lots of malls failing, they've been so far put to pretty good use and in general it's to benefit the community. So that's probably a pretty good thing. You know, America's got way too much retail. I read an article that said that if 60% of all American retail shut down, there would still be plenty of retail to um, meet all our needs. So it's not surprising that they're folding because there's just, we're oversaturated with them. So I've mentioned this to you before, but stop what you're doing, listening, listen up. This is a very important message for every business. If you want to make more profit, you've got to either increase your sales, cut your costs, or do something. But the best way to stop leaving money on the table is to set your prices correctly. Seems funny, but if you set your prices correctly, you can make a hell of a lot more money. So go to atenga.com, A-T-E-N-G-A.com, and download a free ebook called Seven Easy Steps to Successfully Increase Your Prices. It might be the most profitable thing you've done all day. So that's atenga.com. I invite you to go to my website, bobpritchard.com, and enroll for my daily newsletter. It takes just 30 seconds to read, and it'll keep you up to date with all the business news that's important. Remember, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up way too much space. It's easier and far more rewarding to do the impossible than it is to do the ordinary. Anyone can do the ordinary. Next week, we'll be broadcasting from Hollywood Boulevard in Los Angeles, where technology meets entertainment, and I hope you can join me again. In the meanwhile, continue to be successful, because the alternative really sucks. This is Bob Pritchard. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.